0: Come on, church. Can we give it up for Jesus this morning? Oh, come on. Now, you can do better than that. Can we make some noise for Jesus? Come on. He's a great God, and he deserves a great praise. Come on. I said he's a great God, and he deserves a great praise. He's not an okay God. He's not an all right God, but he is a great God. And Scripture says great is the Lord, and he is greatly to be praised. It even goes on to say this, that his greatness is unsearchable. So we can't even figure it out. So come on, one more time. Give our great God, come on, give our great God a great praise. Like he's worthy of it. Come on. He's worthy. Oh, he's worthy. Come on, church. He's worthy. Come on, he's worthy. He's worthy. Has he been faithful to you? Has he healed you? Come on. Has he freed you? Has he made a way out of no way? Do you find yourself in a position in life right now that you should not be? Come on. Are you the only one in your family that's done something that they say your family don't do? Can I tell you, it's the greatness of God. And you worked hard, and you prayed, and you cried, and you sweated. But listen, it was the greatness of God, the goodness, the faithfulness of God. So let us not forget that. And you say, why you always start like that? Because we need to make sure we understand that, that we don't serve no lame, weak God. (laughs) We serve a great God, and he deserves a great praise. And you know what? He deserves that great praise, irrespective of the season of life that we're in. Because no matter if we find ourselves on the mountaintop or we find ourselves in the valley, he's still great. Amen? This is Matthew 17. Verse 20, he replied, uh, talking about Jesus, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, Mark 4, verse 30, says this. And again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable Shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Then get this, yet when planted, yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Family, I want to talk today from this headline. Small faith, small faith. Come on, let's pray. Father, we're grateful. We're thankful for this moment. Moment, moment. Or That means we're supposed to be here. It's divine that we're here today. It's purposeful. You're in, you were intentional with getting us out here. Some of us think, well, it's because we got plans after this or because we were invited. And those may just be tools, but... The reality is, Lord, you drew us here today in your providence and your sovereignty. And so, Lord, we ask uh, that we don't miss what it is that you want to speak to us. Because, Lord, perhaps what we hear today could change something. I believe it is, and I believe it can. Because, Lord, your word is transformative. So, Lord, I thank you that for the next few moments, we're not going to hear a TED Talk. We're not going to hear an opinion. But, Lord, we're going to hear the word of God. And so, Lord, I I need your power, the power of your spirit, to help me communicate your word to your amazing people. And, Lord, as as we sit, may we have ears to hear and eyes to see. We want to get all that you're speaking to us and all that you're showing us. And so, Lord, as your servants here this morning, this is what we say. We say, speak, Lord, because we're listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Come on, come on, everybody said, Amen, amen. Amen. Family, I want to begin our time uh, together this morning asking this simple question What is faith? Now, I just called it a simple question, but you may be saying, The answer to it is so much more complex than the question. But nonetheless, it's the question, what is faith? Is faith equivalent to your Amazon wish list? Is faith simply just a genie in the bottle? What is faith? Is faith a bunch of goals absent of a plan to accomplish them? Is faith? Seen as just an excuse to not apply effort. Well, because I have faith. Here are my goals. Here's what I'm doing. How are you going to achieve them? Oh, man, I got faith. What's your plan? I got faith. How are you going to do it? I got faith. Is that what faith is? Well, the Bible answers this question in Hebrews 11, verse 1, where it says this, now faith. It's the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. But here's a way that I like to say it. I like to say it this way: that faith is the confidence that God will not lie. Faith is this conviction, faith is this belief. Faith is this knowing. Faith is this this track record. Faith is this history that I have with God that I've developed because I've seen how He's moved in my life. I've seen how He's responded in my life. I've seen how He's made a way out of no way. I've seen how He opened doors for me. I saw how He put me in rooms that I didn't belong to. I saw myself sitting at a table that I shouldn't have been at. I saw how He healed my body. I saw how He healed my family. I saw how He restored what was broken. I saw how he made a way, and so now I have this confidence that if God said it, hear me, he will not lie. It's the conviction. It's the confidence. It's the belief. It's the fact that he said it. I can trust it because he will not lie. It's God-like man that he should lie. No, he can't. <laughs> this is how I like to look at it. God mess around to say something like, I didn't mean to say that because now it's got to be. It's the confidence. If he says a word, it will happen. That's why we need a track record with God. And can I tell you, we all have a track record. We all have a history. We all have these moments that God brought us through. And you may be here this morning and you say, I don't have that. I won't debate you with it on, on that right now. But you do because God has done something in your life. The fact that you're here, the fact that you're standing. You say, I've been through a lot. Well, there's the fact that you're, God has done something because you've been through a lot. And you've come to this side. And you may have been shaken. You may have been a little bit wobbly. You may be a little bit dazed a little bit. But guess what? You may be, have been down, but you're not out. But if you need a little bit more evidence, I'll point to the word. Because we go to the word. It's our guide. It's what the Lord has given us. It's inspired. It's written uh, by men, but it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's his word. It's the word that became flesh through Jesus and dwelt among us. And here's what we've got to understand about the Bible. That it's a collection of writings about us. Excuse me, let me say it this way. The Bible isn't a collection of writings about us. It's a collection of writings Informing us of the character and of the nature of God, and so, if you have a question, well, who is God? What is his character like? What is his nature like? You go to the Bible. It's a Bible. It's, it's, it's scripture. Was not. It's not a story of us. It's a story of God's faithfulness to us. But it's not about us. It's about Him. It reveals his character. It reveals his nature. It reveals his grace. It reveals his love. It reveals his nature. So if we want to know who he is and what he's about and why he's faithful, we go to the Bible. Why? Because, well, it's not a collection of writings about us, but it's a collection of writings informing us of the character of God. It's history, but it's also his story. It's his story of what he's done and it also points to what he can do. It's history that reveals his faithfulness. It's history that reveals his faithfulness when he kept his promise and he gave Abram and Sarah a son. It's his history that reveals his faithfulness where he delivered the people out of bondage in Egypt. It's his faithfulness revealed in the fact that they crossed the Jordan into the promised land. It's his faithfulness that he brought those three Hebrew boys out of the fiery furnace. It's his faithfulness that we see that he opened blind eyes. We see that his faithfulness, in fact, that the lame walk. It's his faithfulness that we see when death thought it won, and it had its moment and when he was in that grave. But Jesus, he got out of that grave. Revis- is it, does that mean anything to anybody? That he got, come on, that he got out of that grave. It's the story of his faithfulness. It's history, but it's his story. He is faithful. And listen, that's the story of what he did. And those become markers that, when we find ourselves in a tough spot, that we can go back to and look at what He did. But can I tell you, we hadn't even mentioned what He's doing in your life. You say, "Oh, I don't, I don't, I'm not tracking with you." Can I tell you, He's doing something in your life right now. For some, of you, for some of us in the room, we understand that. We understand that He's healing us we understand that He's restoring us because some things were broken. We were handled wrong. People treated us wrong. And because of that, we felt some hurt. We felt some pain. And the fact that we're here today, the fact that we're smiling, the fact that we can lift our hands, the fact that we can pray, the fact that we can praise, the fact that we can worship, it only points to the fact that He's restored me. I'm still a little hurt, so you still may hear some shade in some of my answers. But listen, I'm not how I was yesterday. He's healing me. He's restoring me because He is faithful. He's changing you. They say you're new. You say, yes, I am. You got to deal with the new me. You got too comfortable with the old me. But say goodbye to the old me and hello to the new me because this is who I am because he's changing me. So you look in the mirror, say, new you, you look good today. Come on. He's doing something new. In your life. And here's what faith is. Faith is knowing that God will not lie. Because if he said it, it's going to happen. You know, I look at it like this. It's kind of like, like we, we, need, we, need, to, we need to act like, if you have kids or cousins, nieces, nephews, we need to act like our kids sometimes. Can I tell you? You could have told your child something. On February 6, 2022, and after service today, they're going to say, remember that time when you said, am I? (laughs) But they said, no, 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 you said it, so it's going to happen. Well, come on. If our kids can have the confidence in us like that, how much more can we have the confidence in our heavenly father, the creator of it all, the one who hung the stars and the moon and divided the sea from the land? If he said it, we can bank on it. It's going to happen. But listen, today, it's not so much about trying to bring definition to faith, but it's also trying to figure out, well, how much faith do we need? <laughs> you say, what you're talking about? Well, the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So then, so then my question goes, well, then how much faith do we need? Because If faith pleases you, I want to please you. So how much I need? Well, do we need big faith? (laughs) Do we need medium faith? Do we need small faith? Do we need crazy faith, educated faith? I don't know how much faith we need. And here's what I want to happen this morning. I want us to walk away with this understanding. We don't need big faith. It's not about medium faith. It's not about crazy faith. It's not about none of that. The only kind of faith that we need is small faith. Now, you may say, come on, man, really? Small faith, but our God is a great God. So don't we need great faith? Can we just start with that? You make a good point. But look at Matthew 17, verse 20. It says this, he replied, because you have, talking about Jesus, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, You can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Now, here come some questions. Because you're like, yo, it says right here, because you have so little faith, but then he goes on to say, because he says that as if that's a problem, but then he goes on to say, but if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, help it make sense. Make it make sense. So if you look at context here, and you go up to Matthew, the rest earlier in that chapter, a few verses up, what's happening in this moment is that someone brought their boy uh, to Jesus because he was, the boy was demon-possessed. And so it was almost like in this moment where Jesus was like, hey, go ahead, go ahead, this is your shot. This is your shot. You try. And they tried to cast the demon out of the boy, and they couldn't. And so the guy's like, yo, Jesus, your disciples couldn't do it. And so Jesus has to do it in this moment. And then afterwards, they asked the question, the disciples, how come we couldn't do it? And this is where Jesus says, because you have so little faith. But, okay, that's cool, that's context, but it still hasn't answered the question. Well, here's the answer. When Jesus said, because you have so little faith, he wasn't talking about the quantity, right? Big faith, medium faith, small faith, whatever, in that way. He wasn't talking about quantity, but rather the quality, meaning how they were operating in terms of who their faith was in. So their faith was little because it was in their ability and not in God's ability. And so what he is saying, you only need small faith when your faith is rooted in me. Because if it's just small, this is all of what it could do. It could see that mountain and say, move from here to there. And some of us, we need this understanding because some of us, we're actually living with little faith. He said, what do you mean? We have faith in our network. We have faith in our net worth. We have faith in our income. We have faith in our family. We have faith in what neighborhood we live in. We have faith in what car we drive. We have faith in who we know. We have faith in our circle. We have faith in our ethnicity. We have faith in our health. We have faith in all these things. And the Lord is saying, that's not faith, baby. That's little because there's no quality there. Because what happens when the friends who say they was down the ride, they no longer down the ride? What happens when the market changes a little bit and your money starts acting a little funny and your your, your change gets a little strange? What happens then? What happens then when, when something happens in the neighborhood that you thought, I didn't know that this would happen out here. That's why I moved this far out here. What happens to your faith? Because our faith was never intended to be rooted in things or someone. Our faith was understood to be rooted in him. The one, you know, we can't even have faith unless it is given to us. Because faith is a gift. It's a spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit decides to give to us. So we have to understand that our faith has to be rooted in him. And we have to be careful of this as well. Don't have faith in faith. But have faith in God. Because faith and faith, it can get us caught up in this whole manifested thing. Oh, you manifested that? You wrote that on your vision board and now here it is. No, 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 no. You know what that is? That's little. Because it was about what you did, not about what he can do. So the quality of our faith is measured by who we have our faith in. And this is important, family. This is important because why? On on Vision Sunday, the second Sunday in October, we said this, that this is building season. That Jesus, Matthew 16, 18, that he's building his church. And we know this understanding that church isn't, or we have this understanding, that church isn't buildings and structures does church have those? Does church use those? Are we saving for one of those? Yes, we are. But that's not church. What that is, that is a tool. So we can't confuse tool with what it actually is. No, church is people. It's us. It's you and I. It's the collective. It's the gathering. It's the called out ones. We are the church. So building season means this. He's building singles. They understand, listen, that, that I'm not waiting for life to happen. That I'm living life right now. That my singleness is not the sentence. I'm not in jail because I'm single, but I'm called. I have purpose and I'm walking in that today and I'm not waiting for something else tomorrow. It's understanding that Jesus, He's building marriages. Yeah, we're going through some things and we're struggling, but we're staying committed to this covenant and we are surrendering these vows that we exchange to Him. And He's building families that he's restoring, he's building his people. That's what building season is. And so if that's what it is, then it is, then we got to understand our faith is rooted in the right place. It has to be rooted in God. Because when our faith is rooted in God, that's how we can go from expectation to execution. Because we have been living in this world of expectation forever. But you know what we haven't stepped into? We haven't stepped into execution. We can quote Ephesians 3.20, like some of us better than John 3.16. Lord help us. Now unto him who was able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can think, ask our match, go into the power that works in us. We can quote it. We got it tattooed. It's on our vision board. It's on the mirror. We begin the affirmations. But it's time to go from expectation to execution. And can I tell you, this whole thing of expectation to to execution is not about big homes and big cars and all these things and big vacations. And all those things are nice. But we got to know and understand this. the, 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 The dreams that are truly God dreams are not just things that will impact us, but it's things that will impact others. So if your dream does not impact someone else, can I I tell you, it's small. Because true God dreams are big, and they won't just impact you, but they're going to impact others. And so the reason why we have to go from expectation to execution is because we have to be the answer to some prayers that people have been praying because there's something that you carry, that you carry, that you carry is an answer to a problem that someone else has, and they've been praying, God, can we have this? Can you bring that? Can that happen? The Lord said it can happen, but my son or daughter needs to go from expectation to now execution, and now when there's execution, it brings a solution to the problem that others have been praying. So this is why it's important for us to get this understanding of where our faith needs to be rooted in because you're an answer. Did you hear me this morning? You are an answer. And so we have to understand that, Lord, we got to go from expectation to execution. And the reason we're going from there is not because of how big my life is going to be And what I can post on the ground. Because if the car's a blessing, whoo, that's a small definition of a blessing. Can I tell you that? Because you'll go to Walmart, Target, and somebody will hit that door in a minute. So now what? Lord, don't let our blessings be determined by if somebody going to hit the door at Target. Now, you may not have a car. God provides a car. That's a blessing. That's not what I'm talking about. But it's because I got a Benz. I got a blessing. Come on now. That's not it. No, God says you got to go bigger than that. No, it's got to bless somebody else. I I give the kind of dreams that expand wide, that touches and reaches and blesses others. We can say it this way. You know, we're talking about brick layers, brick by brick. This is building season. We got to go from blueprint to building. So you got the blueprint. You got the plans. You you didn't gave them to the Lord. He didn't look at them. Hey, you got the permit. Now go. (laughs) It's time to start Building. Because this is building season. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? So what what I want to do, I want us to make some observations. I got a minute and 52 seconds to make some observations (laughs) this morning on how we can go from blueprint to building. And here's the first one we're going to make, that faith is a seed. We need to understand that faith is a seed. Faith is not an explosion, but rather it's a collection of moments. Faith is not what happened what happens overnight, but rather it's about what happens over time. A lot of people get excited about overnight success and overnight stories. And maybe it's not even that they get excited. They, get, they, they, they have a misunderstanding that it just happened overnight. But what they didn't see were the tears, were the prayers, was the blood, was the sweat, were the, the, the questions, are we doing the right thing? Are we, uh, God, did you, they didn't see all that. And so they think it happened overnight, but it's about what happens over time. And my prayer from the beginning was like, Lord, the becoming church, my prayer is that, Lord, this is not about an overnight success. Because here's the thing, most people, their definition of success it does not meet God's definition of success because success in God's eyes is not defined by how big, by who knows you, by how your clip went viral, by who knows your name. You got the blue check before you could pay for it, how famous you are, you whatever. That's not what success is in God's eyes. Here's what success is in, in God's eyes. It's this. Did you do what I said? It's It's obedience. Listen, we need that understanding because some of us, we start chasing things that we were never supposed to chase. Because what we're chasing looks like success in man's eyes. But the Lord's saying, you're chasing the wrong thing. I'm calling you to obedience. But obedience is difficult for some of us because people don't post about obedience. They only post about what looks good as success. But meanwhile, their marriage is broken. Meanwhile, their kids don't love them. They miss all the events because they got to be at this event. That's not success. What does it profit? In January, we're doing a, a collection on the soul. It's called Soul Good. I think y'all going to like it. But what does it profit a man to gain his soul but lose the world? In other words, chase all these things you weren't supposed to chase because of the call of success. I'm stepping in stuff I'm not supposed to step into right now. I might step on some toes. Even this idea... Of, like, well, you know what? I don't want to retire by 40. I don't want to work. Can I tell you that's not a kingdom mindset? I didn't say get wealth, the Lord gives the ability for us to get that. But if the mindset is so I don't work at 40, we missed it. Because when you see scripture, Guess what? What was happening before sin ever stepped in? Work. Adam was working. Worked the ground. Guess what heaven is going to look like? Work. (laughs) Is this place redeemed? So we say that, though, because we're chasing what the world calls success. Only y'all at 38 ain't working no more. But that's not success, family. Success is obedience that you do what I said. Success isn't about the major moments. It's about the minor ones. We think it's about the major ones that are seen. But it's the minor ones. It's the the work done in the trenches. Excuse me. Faith is a seed. and, And when you think about a seed, you understand this, that a seed has potential. I got this apple here. Here's a better look at it. It's browning. But inside this apple there are seeds. Now, I can count the number of seeds inside this apple. But you know what I can't count? I can't count the amount of apples within these seeds. Now, that quote was good and I wish I said it. But I didn't. It was Robert Shuler. (laughs) He says, anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. What are you getting at? I'm getting at this. It's potential. A seed has potential. But, which means we have potential. But some of us, we can't see potential because of problems in the past. Because of our history, because of what we've gone through because of what we've been through, because of how our childhood was, because of what happened, because of mistakes uh, that we happened happen, uh, in, our, in our older age where we're supposed to have been maturing, but yet we're still making bad choices and decisions. And so this whole idea of potential, it's not a reality for us. But, but, but listen, let me tell you this, Philippians 1.6, it says this, Being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Being confident, being confident, having the conviction, having the belief, having the understanding that God will not lie. And Scripture tells me right here that no matter what I've been through in my life, that a good work has been started. Now, there may be some things, some obstacles along the way And we don't get to determine our season of life, but we do get to determine our response to it. And there's been some things that's been thrown in front of us. But the word says that he started a good work in your life and that he will carry it on. So in other words, you don't have to give up on the potential. You don't have to dismiss the potential. You don't think you don't have to think that it will work for them, but it won't work out for me. Can I tell you that's a lie of the enemy who wants you to stay stuck and stagnant where you're at and miss the potential that's on your life. So hear me this morning. Don't allow your past problems to rob you of your potential and derail your purpose because you have a purpose. If you're in here this morning and if you have a pulse, then guess what? You have a purpose. And guess what? It means that God is not done with you yet because he is faithful To his word. And if he started it, he's going to finish it. But you know what it's going to require for us to see that happen? We're going to have to make a decision. We have to decide. And that's what faith is. Faith is a decision. And we have to to decide to believe despite all the the evidence around us telling us otherwise. You may be the only one in your family that has said yes to Jesus and you're trying to live a Christian life. All the evidence around you says you can't do it. The doctors may say, listen, it's hereditary. It's going to happen to you because it's your family. So all the evidence is saying it's going to happen. What are you going to decide? What are you going to believe? But faith says, no, I'm I'm going to believe despite the evidence. I hear you. I see you. And I get it. But God ain't said that. And we have to choose to believe the report of the Lord. His report that says we're healed, that says we're free, that says we're delivered. We have to believe his report. And I understand this from starting this church. Because all the evidence said, don't do it. Reconsider. Read some letters. Don't do it. (laughs) Some of you got it. (laughs) Don't do it. It's 2020. What's wrong with you? Do you know? I didn't know what we were doing. And the Lord said, hey, Michael, leave your job in Dothan. Leave student ministry. And do what, Lord? Go to Huntsville. You mean the place we moved from? And do what? Ah, move. And you'll see. And then we moved. And we still didn't see. You know, I couldn't work because it was it was the, the C word that going be flagging us on YouTube. <laughs> and 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 Katie had went back to work, and I was like, this ain't right. And we we're living with my parents, and it's like this ain't right. You going, and, and i this, this is not right. And I remember I was like, well, maybe the Lord is calling me back to former stuff. So I started getting my resume together. Like I still know some people. And this this is why I love my wife. so full of faith. She said, what's wrong with you? You don't know why we're here. You get your hands off them keyboards. You're going to mess whatever God's plan up. Stop. (laughs) Y'all think I got faith. No, it's her. (laughs) So I stopped. And then the reality is I couldn't even go to work if I wanted to because the kids couldn't even go to daycare. And her job at the time, she had to go in sometimes. So that means I was the only one available to keep the kids. So I'm like, Lord, what are we doing? And eventually, he's like, Yo, this is why I'm bringing you back to start the church, and we started all that process. Another story for another time. So now we start we start the process of starting the church, but all the evidence says don't do it. It's 2020, and listen, no one knows the name Michael Hamilton in a subdivision in a neighborhood in a school district, in a city, in a county, in a state, in a nation, in the world. (laughs) Whatever levels I'm trying to hit. I am internationally unknown. (laughs) So I ain't got no name I can play on. I don't have no big network that I can play on. I'm not an itinerant speaker. I wasn't traveling everywhere. So I'm like, okay. No viral social media clip. Are you sure about this, Lord? (laughs) But here's what we have, family. We had a word from God. And can I tell you, if you have a word from God, despite what the evidence around you may say, you got all you need. Because you got a word from the Lord. And I came across this picture earlier this week. Looking for a picture of the kids, if you can throw that up on the screen. That's this room right here, November 21. And right there, look, it looked like it says, I don't know, it might be 20 people in there or so. Look like on the screen, I'm talking about keys to crossing over. I was like, hey guys, here's what we're gonna do. Inside, I was like, I don't know though. <laughs> I should tell them, here's what I hope. <laughs> I promise you, people gonna show up. We're gonna we're going we're gonna make a difference. I had nothing to back it on except a word from God. What is that in your life? You're trusting the evidence. You're trusting the evidence too much. And so you're staying stuck. But the Lord is saying, listen, you got all you need. You got your marching papers. You got your orders. You got a word from me. Now go. So some of us in this room, we need to walk out here this morning saying, "It's, it's, it's time to go. We're going from blueprints to building. We're going from expectation to execution. Faith is a seed, and it's a decision to believe despite the evidence. Faith doesn't move in what you see. Faith moves because of what God said. The seed has potential. I got to hurry up. I got to hurry up. Here's the next observation. Faith is dirty. Mark 4, 31, it is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Now look at this, yet when planted, can somebody say that with me? Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. Hear me, the seed's potential is realized in the dirt. The seed's potential is realized in the dirt. The scripture says, yet when planted, it becomes the largest of all garden plants. But hear me, this is vital to get. The potential of a seed is affected by your perspective of its position. The potential of a seed is affected by your perspective. Of this position. What are you saying? I'm saying this Do you see the seed as buried or do you see it as planted? Because depending on how you see it will determine the outcome you get. So our perspective is important because if you see it as buried, then understand this family, you won't reap from something that you think is dead because you only bury dead things. And so if, you see, if we see the seed is, is dead, then guess what? So is the potential. So there's nothing that's going to grow up. There's nothing that's going to produce. There's nothing that we're going to step into because, well, we don't see it as anything that could be something. We see it as dead if we see it as buried. And you can't reap from what's dead. If you see it as buried, you'll quit. Well, there's no reason to move forward. There's no reason to continue because it's buried. But if you see it as planted, then you will see it as something that can exceed your wildest expectations. Because this is not buried, it's planted. If you see it as planted, you won't quit. Instead, you'll keep going and by, keep, by, by continuing to go, you will allow the dirt to do its work. Understand this, family. The seed It's not buried, but it's what? It's planted. Which means this. The dirt has purpose. Do you believe that this morning? Listen. The dirt has purpose. We got to allow the dirt to do its work. Because it's the dirt that has purpose. And although the dirt has purpose, here's what I know. A lot of us, we don't like the dirt. (laughs) We say, nah, stay away from that dirt. I don't have time for that dirt. You keep that dirt over there, don't bring that dirt over here. We don't like the dirt. And here's why we don't like the dirt. We don't like the dirt because the dirt is pain. Come on. The dirt looks like challenges. The dirt looks like obstacles. The dirt looks like mistakes. The dirt looks like hang-ups. It looks like a mess. But can I tell you this morning? It's the mess that grows us up. Because it's in the dirt that the work happens. You have to take a seed and you have to plant the seed. And when that seed is planted, it's in an environment that, yes, it's cold, it's rainy, it's weird, it's frustrating. But it's all those things that allow for growth. But some of us, we abort that position because we don't like it. And when we abort that position, we abort The potential of the seed, because the seed can only become a tree when it stays planted. Can I tell you, don't quit in the dirt, family? Don't give up in the dirt. Don't give up in the messiness of the dirt, because it's the messiness of the dirt that the Lord is producing something in you. It's the power of potential, it's realized in the dirt. I remember a season of my life that was very dirty. I didn't like it. It was some tears in that season. It was some questions in that season. There was even moments where I said, God, I want to quit in this season. I remember saying about it. <laughs> I was talking to my friend, one of my friends one time. I said, I would never thank God for this season. Do you know what I thank God for? That season. because it Because it was that season. That allowed me and and built up this faith and this confidence in who God is because I discovered him in a greater way than I ever knew him. And I would not have had that opportunity if I wasn't sitting in that dirt. So you could be sitting on a new, dismissing a new revelation of God by aborting the dirt. The Lord is trying to show you another facet of who he is in the dirt. And if you get out of that dirt and you quit on that dirt, you miss a new revelation of who God is. So family, don't quit in the dirt. Don't give up in the dirt. Can I tell you the Lord works with dirt? He works with us. So he works with dirt. It's dirt that we came from. And it's dirt that we'll return to. So don't give up on dirt. You know what we do with our dirt? We wake up and we wash our dirt. Yeah, get the back of the knee. That count. But we, <laughs> we wash our dirt. We put makeup on our dirt. We put clothes on our dirt. Talking about, you look good. Look at your dirt. But we dirt. (laughs) So God works with dirt. So don't quit and give up on what God works in. Are you tracking with me this morning? Because the dirt grows you, and it refines you. And unless the dirt covers the seed, the growth would never happen. The potential of the seed is only realized when you leave it in the dirt, Matthew, please, help me, help me get out of here. Help us get out of here. Here's the third one. Faith leads to harvest. Faith leads to harvest. Mark four thirty-two. We just read it. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch up in the shade. Listen, we just said this, the dirt has purpose for you, but it also has purpose beyond you. So God will allow us to experience what we experience in the dirt. And all of our dirt looks different than others. But guess what? It'll show us another facet of God. And it also gives us a track record that we can say, yo, God brought me through that. He'll get me through this. But it allows others at a distance to see what you've gone through and say, yo, the Lord brought you through that. He'll get me through that. So the purpose that the dirt has purpose beyond us is for us, but it has purpose beyond us. And you may be in here this morning and you've gone through some things that you don't understand. And you have questions. God, why did I go through that? Why did I experience that? Why did my family have to receive that news? Why did that have to happen? Why did I have to lose this job? Why did I miss this opportunity? You know I've been crying out to you for this. I've been asking you for this for a long time. But every time there looks like an open door, it shuts right in my face. Why? Why? Can I tell you in those moments, don't quit, don't give up. Look at Galatians six nine. It says, "Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up." Don't you take that seed out of the dirt, because your pain found in the dirt. Guess what? It's becoming purpose. Your disappointment in the desert. Guess what? It's leading to destiny, and your wandering in the wilderness is leading you to seeing the wonder of God. God, how did you? How did you do it? How did you get me through that? God, I'm not supposed to. How did you do this? That's what happens, family, when we don't give up, don't quit, you are a seed. It's small faith. It's brick by brick. It's not an explosion. It's a collection of moments. And here's what I want you to get this morning. You, your life is a seed. And as that seed stays planted, guess what? The seed becomes a tree. And a tree becomes something that you can climb. Anybody ever climb some trees in your time? What does climbing do? Climbing gives you a better perspective to see something you couldn't see. So, here on the ground, I couldn't see it. But when I climbed up in the tree, I got a better perspective to see something. What if our lives were intended to be a seed that matures to a tree that others can climb up in and get a better perspective? But we got to stay planted. We got to allow the dirt to do its work. He said, "Where are you getting this from?" There's a story in Luke, I believe it's 19 verses 1 through 10, of Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector. So you had tax collectors in those days; they would take uh, co- uh, collect taxes from the Jews and they would pay the Roman government. But no one liked them because it wasn't just the tax that the Romans put on them. They were also taxed higher to keep a little bit for themselves. Well, Zacchaeus, he wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief of tax collectors. And so here he is. Uh, Jesus is making his way into Jericho, which is where Zacchaeus is. And there's Zacchaeus is a short man, what Scripture tells us. And so he can't, he can't see Jesus. And he's like, man, I want to see him. And he looks over and he sees an available sycamore tree. And so he goes and he climbs up in that sycamore tree. And because he climbed up in that available sycamore tree, guess what? He got a perspective to see Jesus. If he didn't know tree, he couldn't see Jesus. That's significant. Why? Because when Jesus saw him, he said, like, yo, like, kids, what you doing in that tree? Hey, you know what? Don't you worry about it. I'm going to come to your house today. After I finish everything here, I'm going to head over. We're going to chill. We're going to kick it. We're going we're gonna to watch the SEC championship game. I had to get one in. I don't care what happens with the four. I just wanted to be. Anyway, anyway but he says I, I gotta come to you <laughs> I love you Ben he's like I, I, I gotta come I gotta come to your house and he shows up to his house and we don't we're not privy to the conversation you know what I think that's good because then we'll start trying to reproduce whatever went on so we're not even privy to what happens but here's what we know happens out of that interaction is that Zacchaeus the chief tax collector he and his entire household were saved and not only that revival was sparked because Zacchaeus is now chasing people down trying to repay them with everything that he has stolen from them all because of what a tree a tree that was just there family what if we could live our lives as trees that people could climb up in our life and get a perspective of Jesus that without it, they couldn't have. If it's about changed lives, that's the start of it. We gotta have the heart that says, Lord, help us to be a tree in Huntsville, to be a tree in Madison, so that people could climb up in our lives and get a perspective of Jesus that doesn't just lead to one moment, but leads to a whole family being changed, a whole city being changed. And how does it begin? Well, that tree was just simply available. It's a decision to make ourselves available. God is not asking for your ability. He's asking for your availability. And I'll even take it a step further. Not just your availability, but your flexibility. Are you flexible with how I want to do it? Yeah, I know that's how we did it last year. Yeah, I know how the saints did it back. But but here's how. I'm, I, can you be flexible? Can, can, can you commit to this? Can you show up to this? Can you pray about this? Can you serve this? Can you give there? Can you believe there? Can you worship here? Can you have fa- Can you be flexible? And if our answer is yes to that family, we can see and be a part of something much bigger than we ever thought because of our willingness to be available.